Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, has the Apostle Paul saying, But the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Hello, welcome back to Think This Way. My name is Bryce Beal. I am one of the pastor elders here at Faith Bible Church. And today I really do have the honor of having with me Pastor Bobby Pell, who is the pastor of Northwoods. Thank you, Bobby, for being with us. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here. It's an honor. Bobby, I know your church does some uh, excellent podcasting, so we are the newbies who are following in your tread, <laughs> figuring this out. So I don't know how good we are, but this is a lot of fun. I enjoy being able to speak to people using this medium. Yeah, it's, it's really great that God's provided this as an outlet to communicate with people while they're vacuuming or That's driving right. or whatever right. they're doing. So this quarter, Bobby, like I've told you, um, we are having a focus for three months on the gospel, and we've covered various topics related to that. So we're going to continue that today by talking about grace, which is the fantastic topic. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we jump into that, many of our listeners may not know who you are or any of your background. So Bobby, who are you? How did you get to Evansville? How did you end up as a pastor over at Northwoods? Sure. So I grew up in uh, Northwest Georgia, Chattanooga, Tennessee area. I have three sisters that are 10, 12, 14 years older than me. Um, they really grew up in a different home than I did. And uh, I, I'll give the real cliff note version to this. But when I was two and they were 12, 14, 16, uh, my parents really got right with the Lord. And I, because of my age at that time, you know, I grew up in church. And, you know, we went to church every time it was open and we were there early, all of that kind of stuff. I, made a profession of faith when I was like six at a vacation Bible school, and it was not true. It was a, a profession that uh, was word only, if you would. I remember at the age of um, 11 and a half or so, I was reading a chick track, those old little cartoon tracks that we... I, I could today give you all kinds of theological poor things about. Okay, let me be Solid clear. KJV. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but I was I was reading a chick track, and on the front row of church while the service was going on, and the Lord pierced my heart with the gospel. And um, it was that evening I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I uh, was. Felt a call into ministry at the age of 15. Um, moved to Indiana when we had, I went to Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga. And then at the age of 23, we my, my wife, we had married down in the Chattanooga area. And she is from Greencastle, Indiana, about two hours, two and a half hours north of here between Indianapolis and Terre Haute. And she did not want to move back home. But there were about four or five families who were interested in us moving there to start a new church. And in 1993, we moved there. We were there for nine years. And then there was an opportunity for us to start another church here in Evansville in 2002. And I've been here in my journey 17 of the last 20 years, uh, which is a whole different story, which we'll, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. It's interesting, 1993, that is when Faith Bible also had its start. Really? Under similar circumstances, maybe four or five families who mm -hmm. 
uh, called a pastor, Ernie, Pastor Ernie, to come uh-huh. up and get that started. So those were happening parallel. <laughs> no, that's right. I don't think you knew Ernie no. at the time or him, you, but No, yeah. that's right. That's right. And, and that's also a time when church planning was not necessarily cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So you were ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby, we appreciate, I know you do expositional preaching at Northwoods and work mm-hmm. through texts. And I know recently you've been going through Hebrews mm-hmm. and I was listening to one of your messages online. And since I've been thinking about the gospel it stood out to me that you were talking about grace. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Just talking about grace. And one comment you had made that really stood out to me was that you felt like you didn't really understand grace until about the age of 16. Mm-hmm. And then you just mentioned in your sermon, as a cliffhanger, <laughs> for me at least, that it was at that point you really came to grasp it. But I didn't get to hear how that happened. So I thought maybe we could get started. What was it that happened when you were 16 that really helped you to grasp the meaning of grace? So first of all, I'm just honored that you've heard a sermon that I've preached. That's a, oh, no. that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal. I've I've, I've got a moment that I can oh, I can goodness, uh, no. deal with that. Well, I so I grew up in a in a, a legalistic church. Uh, you know, guys did not have hair on their ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies did not wear pants. I mean, th- we just had lots of rules. I'm, I remembered uh, feeling guilty if I would go to a movie. I mean, it was just any movie. It, it, there were lots of rules. Pastor that I had, who was beloved, uh, left in, I don't know, 2014, something like or Excuse me, I, I was 14. And we had a new another pastor came in. He was there in just a few months. He left. Another pastor came in, young guy. He may have been 30. And his first few weeks... I'm 16 years old. His first few weeks, he kept being asked, what do you think, preacher? And then the comment would be, what do you think, preacher, about women wearing pants? What do you think, preacher, about long hair on men? What do you think, preacher, about movies? What do you think, preacher, about dot, 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 dot? And he he ended up preaching a series of sermons on Romans chapter 14. And... For me, it was life-changing because uh, Romans 14 gives a series of examples. Uh, I'll just give one of them. But in Romans chapter 14, verse 5 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that we might be Lord that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And he used multiple examples to basically say, give each other grace and recognize that when the Bible doesn't speak, maybe you shouldn't either. And so that ultimately would make some people leave the church. But for for, for a 16-year-old, who was really struggling with the character of God and what does God want me to do and is it okay for me to watch E.T.? 
I didn't know does God's character hang on that movie? Does God's character hang on whether or not my sister can wear a pair of pants? And to find out that it doesn't, it hangs on what God says is right, clearly, and what God says is wrong, clearly. That was freeing. And and so the very idea of giving others grace and finding that God has given us grace where it has not spoken, that was helpful. Yeah, we, not very long ago, as we're working our way through First John, had gotten to a part where he says, this is God's commandment, that you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Yeah. And we thought about that for some time. How wonderful that it can be simplified. It even says his commandment. That's right. <laughs> a real simplifying. And I had shared the example. My mom, when she was younger, was in a church that was similarly legalistic and leaning and had rules. Pants mm-hmm. was one of them. But she recounts a time where she was sitting in service. She must have been maybe 12 years old or very young. She had nail polish on. Mm-hmm. And the older gentleman next to her, a stranger to her, mid-service, sees the nail polish and reaches down, grabs her hand, and during the service, scrapes off all her nail polish. Oh, my stars. <laughs> well, gracious is not the word we would use to no, describe that interaction at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's very interesting. Exactly. Your story reminded me just a little of Charles Spurgeon, because you were 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. When he was 15, he this was actually his conversion story, but grace mm-hmm. became a real mark of his ministry because that's when he came to Christ. And he talked about somewhat similarly, how before he felt like he would go into a church service and the preacher would be telling him what to do, but it was like telling a regiment of soldiers to march and they had no legs. <laughs> That's how he described it. Like, I'd love to, but I can't do it. Right. So when the concept of grace, this idea of grace came in, it revolutionized his life. He came to Christ. And then anyone who reads anything of Spurgeon knows that his Ministry was characterized by this gracious spirit and a sense of God's grace. Since you had similarly an experience of really coming to appreciate God's grace early on, how has grace come to mark your own pastoral ministry? And Joseph Parker, who was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, Joseph Parker made a statement that he said, your pews will never be lacking if you preach to those who are hurting. And I, I believe that if we live with grace as something that is on the forefront of our tongue, we will find that those people who are in our pews every week, they're all hurting. If you're in the hospital, out of a one to 10, where are you? Some of some people who walk in, they're at ones that week, but they'll be at a five or six the next Sunday. You know, you never know what's about to take place. And if we, if we preach and communicate with those who are coming graciously, because we don't know what's going on in their life. Everybody looks good when they come to church. Everybody puts up the front, but they're not. They're not good. They're hurting. There's a pain there. There are issues that we all face. People don't know about our lives, what we deal with, um, because we don't exactly walk around with a billboard on the front of our car that communicates, here are the pains that I'm dealing with today. Here are the struggles that we have. If we deal with it that way, the passage that you led with in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, what was the answer that the Lord gave to Paul with his problems? Grace. And so I, I just think we, we walk through life as ministers. When we do that, 
leading with grace, I, I've learned it. it's almost a church growth issue at that point. I mean, if you, you really want to reach people, um, be gracious. The balance to that is that we now live in a society that is asking for grace when there are clear wrongs being perpetrated. Um, there has to be a, a level of repentance whenever we're dealing with the issue of sin. And so I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that these are issues that are conflicting. I think we, we can always be communicating to the topic of grace while still communicating the truth of God's Word. And that touches on the, another thing I wanted to ask you about this. I appreciate you in that direction because someone, maybe, I don't assume anything, but it's a common human thing when we start hearing about grace to this level, day-by-day day grace like you talk about. Um, it can be tempting for someone to feel like, well, if we lean too heavy into grace, people are going to hear, I can do whatever I want. No right. accountability. I'll do what I want. Where sin abounds, mm-hmm. grace abounds more, so mm-hmm. let sin abound. <laughs> Paul, of course, responds, no, <laughs> may it never be. What would your response be to someone who's hearing this and thinking, well, if we lean too hard into grace, then maybe people will just become very lax Christians? Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that when we become lax Christians, it, it is revealing the fact that we don't understand God's grace. It's, uh, it's revealing the truth that we don't understand God's character. We have some folks who, at our church, who struggle with same-sex attraction, and you know it cannot be a situation that we don't talk about it. You know, homosexuality is sin. Well, pride is sin. All of these things become whatever sin is. We must be willing to call it and name it, say what it is, and then move on. But when we move on, we recognize what's the answer to that sin. I may not struggle with same-sex attraction, but I struggle. And what I need in my life is the same thing anyone else needs in their life, which is the grace of God. It is his forgiveness. It is the hope that we find through the cross. And so I I think when we start seeing each other that way, that we're not going to wink at sin, but instead we are going to find the same hope so I don't expect you to wink at my sin and say it's okay. And I don't, I don't expect you to think that I can wink at your sin. That's where we start finding real hope. And, you know, I, I, I think when that begins to take place, we're in a better situation. That's well said. We do a lot of biblical counseling here, and it does remind me, oftentimes when someone will come in really struggling with something which a lot of church culture would consider like very far out, like homosexuality or suicidal depression or perhaps some psychological label like bipolar or something. They'll come in somewhat ashamed. Maybe they don't want to share this, especially something like homosexuality. If you're in a church that is um, teaching the truth, but then even maybe with a spirit of legalism saying that's evil out there, Romans 1, which is true. But if there's an attitude like that, it can be really hard for someone to be honest about that. And that's one of the verses that we use that I think offers people a lot of hope along the exact same lines is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where he says, no temptation's overtaking you that's not common to man. And so I may not myself struggle with same-sex desire, for example, 
but there are genres of sin or idols of the heart. So someone with same-sex attraction may be wanting the approval of others. They're seeking it in a male partner, if they're a man, maybe. Do I know what it's like to seek the approval of others? Boy, do I. <laughs> Boy, do I. And so that's great. So giving grace, understanding. There are not certain sins that just make you off limits. You're done. But we can be gracious. So you've got to repent, but we'll work with you. Well, I'm, I may not be broken sexually like them, but I'm broken sexually. I mean, I'm, I may not be broken emotionally like another person. I'm broken emotionally. I mean, I, I think I think we all just need to recognize we are all broken. We are broken in God's image. This is a Genesis 3 problem. Um, and we should just recognize that. And what did he do? He came to restore us. Praise God for that. Once again, this takes us back to grace. Jesus came, gives us hope. That's the good news. This is what should ultimately give us the hope for tomorrow. Still, even though as I have received his grace for salvation, uh, I'm, I'm still a broken guy. And until one day I am in his presence, I will not be made complete. So every day I am looking for somebody to give me a little grace and I'm looking to give it. And I think that should be the picture of the church. That's very well said. It does remind me of Jesus in his own ministry. Even though we're not offered every detail about what he was doing, it is interesting that someone who could stand in public, and when they say, did you hear that tower that fell on those men? And his response in public can be, if you don't repent, you'll perish just like that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then he goes into a house, and prostitutes and tax collectors want to sit with him and have a meal. That's right. You say, how could he speak so boldly the truth? Mm Mm-hmm. Because there are some who can speak the truth boldly and nobody wants anything to do with you. (laughs) You're mean-spirited. But he was full of grace and truth. And people wanted to spend time with him. One last question I have for you as we kind of wrap this up is if someone listening to this, perhaps they've struggled with the idea of grace in the past for themselves. If they were to really grab onto this idea of God's grace for them, how do you think that would change their lives? Yeah, so this is a... Probably a really bad illustration, but hey, I'm on your podcast, right? <laughs> That's fine. I, I mean, you can take leftovers. <laughs> you know, I, so I like Lay's potato chips. Lay's potato chips are very salty. And in my opinion, you can't just have one. Mm. Those salty potato chips keep bringing you back to it because they're so salty. And I recognize that's what they are, but that's what happens. I think what happens when you find people who really understand the grace of God and they are gracious, biblical people is you will note them because of those who come to them. They are attractive. They are attractants. And those who come to them receive grace. And it's not willy-nilly grace. It is biblical grace, where grace is spoken, but it is spoken truthfully. They're loving, but it's always interesting. They're not alone. And so you see their lives changing because of who they are around. And I I enjoy looking around and seeing, you know, this is true for introverts and extroverts. I mean... The older I've gotten, the more introverted I've become. 
I'm, I would say and historically, I grew up as an extrovert. Now I'm, I'm fine being alone, you know, but, but yet I find the more gracious I am, the more I get a text that says, Hey, can I talk to you? And I find the times in my life where I go through months or seasons of, did I become a little hardened? And yes, pastors can have moments. Amen. You know, uh, that I become a little hardened. Um, people don't hang around me as much as I wished. The more gracious I am, the more Lay's potato chip I am. And that's that that may be a bad illustration, but once again, I like it. That's great. I'm 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 with you guys today. Well, bad or good illustration, we really, really appreciate having you on here, Pastor Bobby. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to help us. I appreciate that. And praying for y'all and your ministry here at, at Faith. Thank you so much. Someone listening to this podcast in the past, perhaps they grew up in a similar legalistic environment and did think of the Christian life mainly in terms of the clothes that you wear and keeping a set of rules. Or maybe they're on the other side of things and they're just living willy-nilly, doing whatever they want to do, and they thought grace was an opportunity for that. They may have thought those things in the past, but may God help us all now to think this way. Mm-hmm.